Hello. 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 Wow. Jeez, this feels weird. It does, doesn't it? It feels like it's a long time. But uh, welcome to the mob show, everybody. How you doing, Sean? Yeah, well, you know, just before just before we came on, I had a coughing fit, and I thought, well, that's not appropriate for the moment, is it? So, <laughs> no, but I've been I've been I've been pretty ill since Christmas, actually. So this is, this is the first time I've really uh, got out and about again uh, for for the last few weeks. So, yeah, it's good to be back. In the weirdest, been, the best it's been weird not seeing you. Actually, I'd say it's been a good three weeks and not seeing you on a computer screen. I don't know if that's good or bad, dude. <laughs> no, look, I mean, you know, the thing is that last year, I think that this, and, and I'm probably not alone in this, you know, that last year took so much energy and so much focus and so much, you know, we were just really, really completely focused on, you know, helping the franchise community and doing everything we could to kind of, you know, make everything work. Um, I think, you know, for me at least, um, you know, the one thing I, I completely and utterly neglected was me. Um, and then, of course, I did the stupidest thing ever. I decided to take a break. Um, and I'm now 100% convinced that holidays are evil because every single time I try and take a break, I get ill. So I'm just not going to do that anymore. I know my family's got issues with it, but I just said, look, it's, it's, it's all about my health. <laughs> I think there's probably a good thing in there that maybe taking breaks along the way might be the. Uh, <laughs> One day, Max, I'm never risking it again. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was it was a bit of a weird one because initially I thought I'd I'd COVID because I was waking up in the middle of the night, like in panicking, you know, breathing and everything like that, and then the test came back. Um, and it said I didn't have COVID, so the doctors are like, "Well, it must be pneumonia or something like that." Um, and then I think it was you, maybe, who told me that one in three of the COVID tests are actually inaccurate. So um, you know, I spoke to somebody recently who who did have COVID, and and their symptoms and their the process that they've gone through up until now. I mean, they've gone through it for sort of six weeks, and I'm coming out of the back end of that at the moment. So yeah, it's just it's just good to be back in the world of franchising because you know if there was ever anything that could get me up and running and feeling better and you know motivated again, it's got to be it's got to be this this particular world. As you saw earlier today yourself, Adam. You know, just look at LinkedIn and I'm happy and perky again. <laughs> yeah, really, really. Well, it has it has been an odd start to the year in general, hasn't it? I think um, it it just feels like. Definitely, the optimism of 2021 lasted a day, and then we're back in isolation. And I just think, you know, everyone's gone back to resilient mode. Um, everyone's got fires to fight and, and challenges to do. And um, I don't even know. do. You, do you think it's? It feels different though, because it doesn't even feel like resilient mode. It feels like, oh my god, not again mode. You know, and and you know, it's not so much. It's not so much that the. You know, when we when lockdown first happened, we got innovative, right? And we got really like everyone just were like, listen, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to make a plan. You know, we went through second lockdown came along. And we were like, OK, cool. Look, we've got ourselves sorted. You know, this is this is this is getting better. 2021 is our year. 2021 is our year. And then 2021 comes in and wallop, boom, you know, backhand from from COVID. Um, and look, you know, again, we, we we probably could just take some of our previous recordings, especially our, our, our initial recordings, and play them back right now. You know, we've got we've got the hope of these um, these um, you know the immunisation um, rolling out and everything like that. But you know, we said this one year ago almost, right? 
if you think it's going to end at the end of, uh, you know, in mid-February, right, then it's not, you know, it's just really not going, it's going to be much longer again, you know, until everything's kind of sorted out. So we need to, I think we need to find a way somehow to, to renew our energy, just dig deeper than we ever have before. Not that we haven't said this once a day for the past year, um, you know, dig deeper and just find, find that reason to, to just make it work. Yeah, I, I think there's added challenges for most um, most people this time around as well. So I think you know such a high proportion of business owners are are homeschooling, and homeschooling is a lot more serious this lockdown than it has done before. I know in my house, it's um, we've obviously got a newborn baby as well, but homeschooling two children with a newborn while running businesses, it's you know it's um, it's crazy times. And I think I've spoken to a lot of people in the last couple of weeks who have the same challenge, and you, you've been torn between business issues, homeschooling just keeping going for a lockdown. I think that has a major impact on um, business productivity across across the country. And you can see why they're so, you know, leave it so late to close schools because it has a massive economic effect. Well, I'd love to, I'd love to know what the, what the, uh, the amount of broadband that gets used at 9am on a, on a, on a, or any weekday at the moment, because with, with, you know, I've got the three kids and, you know, we've got uh, Luke is eight, um, you know, and we've got Jack is seven and, and Mark is five. All three of their teachers have finally caught up with the digital world, um, you know, and they, they're doing video, video sort of lessons. But all three of them want to do this, the video lessons at 9 a.m. in the morning, right, at the same time, right? So effectively, on, on some days, we have four, maybe five sort of, you know, machines working, sucking onto the broadband all the time. And, you know, the other the other challenge that we found, at least, is that the classes, or at least the workload that we, the kids are being given now, is, is quite heavy. So we only finish homeschooling at about four in the afternoon, Right, and there's there's no working in between. Like you can you can try what you what you might. It's just it's not going to happen, you know. And and I think I think that is really representative of what I'm seeing in the business world. I think so many people have that challenge, and I think business productivity goes down while you know serious homeschooling is going on. So it's a, it's a big issue. And I think I've seen a lot of that about. Um, I mean, interestingly as well, I looked at the latest kind of franchise recruitment data. Uh -huh. um, Obviously, we are right smack bang now in in what is normally known as the, the kind of, yeah yeah the peak of franchise recruitment traffic. It's when people get their campaigns ready, and it's when the most interesting franchising normally normally occurs. Um, but we haven't seen that January spike. You normally see kind of November and December traffic mm. around franchising um, come down, and then as soon as January comes around, or even a bit before January comes around, there's a big spike. Um, and it's actually next Monday's Blue, is it Blue Monday? Black Mo Blue Monday. Um, so it's meant to be the day of the year when people um, are most suppressed, they're back at work a couple of weeks, they're still a week from payday. And that is normally um, the kind of peak day when people are looking at franchising and job opportunities, et cetera. Um, but so far this year, there just hasn't been that peak. Um, I think, you know, I think as we've said so many times on different recordings that, you know, long term, the, the franchise recruitment landscape looks brilliant because, you know, I think people will look to change their career and they will look to, you know, take back control and all those different kind of things. However, there's definitely going to be a period before that happens. And I think we're in that now. I think it may even be another year or two years before we really see that peak from after the pandemic in franchise recruitment.
Well, I suppose there's two two key elements over here because you know, as we know, a number of of, of the members of the mastermind had had fantastic recruitment drives through through the previous lockdowns and when we came out of the lockdown. And you know, I think uh, in some ways, and I'm I'm speaking under correction over here. This is just assumptions, and I'd love it if anybody that's listening, if you could, if you have recruited, um, you know, last year, um, just tell us what's 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 happening at the moment because I would have thought that kind of the planning was yes, join the franchise, right? And by December, you know, things should have should have got back to sort of semi-normal. January is your start, you know, and let's let's get cracking from there. But I think it's the stop start, stop start. So even the franchisees who 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 signed up through lockdown have absolutely no idea, well, at least for a lot of them, whether or not there's going to, you know, when the actual start date is. And I think for other people who are just holding back, you know, just to see, okay, right, January is gonna be here, we'll we'll jump then. When, when, with with all that uncertainty, I think even the 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 interested people are going to be wise enough to kind of you know just think, look, should I start now? Should I should I not? So I think partly the franchisors are thinking, you know, should I recruit right now? Although a lot need to, um, and some of the candidates are thinking about it because, like, I, I don't know, you don't know, nobody knows when there's going to be a clear run at at launching a business, you mm -hmm. know, and that's that's. That's that's scary. I think it's there. I mean, there's there's still lots of franchise recruitment activity going on. Um, people are still generating lots of leads, and I think the ones who have really transitioned their franchise recruitment online, yeah. um, seeing lots of success. I mean, if you if you've got a really good process of getting people into online discovery days, um, it is a really good time to build up your pipeline. And yeah. lots of really good examples of that. So, certainly, I'm not saying that it. The, the landscape is completely dead. It's not. It, it's yeah. probably similar to where it was for most of last year. But what we're not seeing is that typical kind of price yeah. that we see in January, which actually last January was really good because yeah. it's been a long time ago now, but Brexit had just suddenly kind of disappeared. People felt Brexit was sorted. Um, and that was the barrier stopping franchise recruitment prior to that. And we saw a really good January. And then obviously 2020 happened. But um, yeah, I remember our pre COVID chats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, like, oh. <laughs> it, it, it's certainly not all doom and gloom. And I think the, the key thing now is that you know people have aspirations to really recruit in 2021. Yeah. You know, you have to have a good funnel of bringing people in, um, running really good online discovery events, um, and making it work in in the current conditions. Because as we all know, it there's a lead time to recruiting franchisees, and if you're going to bring them through this year, you're going to have to be really good at that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because even even sort of the the, the pet sector, you know, we previously I know that there's this um, canine and feline association that's um, you know allowed groomers and dog walkers and and those kind of people to do to carry on trading. Um, Defra stepped in um, this time round, um, and now and now it's only under under you know even grooming is only if it's if it's medically required. You know, we previously it was absolutely fine to go to the groomers and stuff. So uh, I do think it's a little bit more difficult. Look, I'm I'm hoping beyond hope that the franchisors are doing really really well at the moment. Um, you know, uh, especially you know even if they're recruiting one or two, um, it's just yeah, there's just a, a little little bit of uncertainty in my mind at least in terms of some of the sectors. You know, when when we're actually going to have the ability to get those franchisees up and running properly. Yeah, I mean, there's great times to come. I mean, I, I think um, yeah. once we're out of this, franchise recruitment is going to boom. And I think getting things right now ready for that. The, the one thing I'm definitely seeing is that if you can tell your 2020 story to yeah. 
franchisees, you let them know how you reacted to the pandemic, how you operated through the pandemic, success stories through the pandemic. The testimonials and case study about your franchise pre-COVID are not yeah. relevant now. Um, yeah. you, have, you have to be telling the story of what you're doing now and what you did through the pandemic to be successful yeah. in franchise recruitment where we are now. And I think thing as a pre pre-COVID story for franchising anymore. <laughs> no, no, it's not relevant. If you're buying a business now, you want to know what happened over the last year. I think that's so important to, to build in. But I think the one thing I'm really excited about is, you know, we, we, we've still got Franchise Britain going, coming along, you know, so, you know, this is this is still, I still genuinely believe that 2021 is going to be the year, year of franchising. You know, it's, I stole the Chinese year of the dragon or whatever it is, um, you know, and uh, I really I really do feel very, very positive about the year. I think just the beginning is going to be a, t a bit tough. But um, again, you know, this is where we, where we get to promote our industry. So, you know, if we talk about franchisors, doing all they can right now to to promote their businesses. I think as industry, you know, if we can start massively pushing pushing what franchising is, it, it all it does is it just makes sure that all of us have a massive, massive, massive year next year or even the end of this year, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So on this week's show anyway, we have um, an interview coming up with the one and only great friend of the mob show, Red Boswell. <laughs> The man himself. The man himself. Um, so we actually spoke to Red a while ago, and um, pre pre the last lockdown. So we're in the same room, which is uh, quite odd. And I think I'm wearing shorts, so the weather was definitely better at that time as well. Um, but Red talks a lot about what happened in the states and what the franchise recruitment landscape has been like um, since the pandemic over there, which is really interesting. Mm. But also tells us about his um, experience as a franchisor, which is an incredible story. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Producer Mark will go into the interview of Red Boswell. I know, say for instance, like the difference between the UK and the US in terms of the word furlough is over here it means that 80% of your salary is being paid, right? Um, and I think in, in the States it just means you're on pause, my friend. Um, you know, so do you think it was because of impending unemployment? Do you think it was because of the massive uncertainty that really people started seeking out brokers much more than they would have? Um, what do you think the main driver was behind that? You know, the, uh, it, it's a number of things, Sean. The, the main driver, honestly, is uh, outside of IFPG is the uh, unemployment. When, you know, the biggest two-thirds of franchises are in one way or another job replacement. So the fact that employment is extremely high and people are working from home going, man, I like this. I don't think I want to go back to that hell hole. Uh, so that's number one, honestly. Number two would be IFPG. We sit, continue to grow and train our people right. And we bring on folks from every other broker group are converting to us in record numbers. Uh, we're not pursuing them. They just hear about our model. And so that's helped us certainly. And then franchisors have uh, continued to hear more and more news about low risk. I mean, the numbers are ten dollars to $20,000 just to get one franchise sold typically for marketing, well, you can spend, uh, you know, 5% of that uh, or less and have franchise consultants, we call them consultants, brokers, find buyers for you for free and just pay them after they close. So those three or four different influencers are all kind of that perfect storm of building up our industry and specifically building up, whoop, where am I, IFPG to uh, <laughs> the, leader, the leader in the world. 
And were there certain sectors that 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 grew faster or were more prevalent, um, or was it really just straight across the board? Well, certainly, we all know that there's certain sectors suffering big time, others thriving enormously, uh, and and. I think all, anybody in franchising knows who they are. So the, the cleaning services that especially do the disinfecting in the COVID world are just through the roof. Um, any delivery service, if you're not uh, tripling your revenue, you're, you're, you've got problems. Um, the, uh, well, on the flip side, many restaurants, to go extreme, are struggling massively. If they haven't made a massive pivot towards curbside pickup and home delivery, they are out of business most likely. So... And even some weren't even allowed to open with that. So there's a wide variety of blessings and curses right now in the uh, COVID era. Yeah. And I wonder how many of those, those restaurant, previous restaurant owners would naturally sort of say, well, actually, I just need to get into a different franchise. You know, so I, I know Eric Van Horn is currently working on his, on his new concept, right? Where the, the, I think it's the roofing and gutters, you know, and I was just like, well, right. that's perfect because that, that, that'll work. That'll work no matter what, right? Um, as, we say in tech, as we say in Texas, that dog will hunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and so I can imagine that there are going to be, you know, some of the victims, I guess, of, of COVID-19 in terms of the franchising world will be, will be going straight back into franchising, but in difference in, you know, in areas which are, you know, we always used to have that big mantra, didn't we? The whole franchising world, you know, recession-proof. Um, you know, and now, and now there's, a, there's a whole space of franchises that have got a second badge, you know, called pandemic proof. Um, COVID friendly. <laughs> I love that one. COVID friendly. <laughs> by the way, by the way, not to change the subject. What is the red shoes over here with Adam? Are we copying somebody here? Come on. I knew, I, no, not copying. They're, I knew I was talking to you today, Red, and I want, oh. it's a mark of respect, if anything. <laughs> Just going back onto the, onto the brokers, right? So, you know, we were talking earlier, we were just saying, you know, that some of the, the potential or prospective franchisees, you know, wouldn't really know what to look out for and what to ask, et cetera, when they, when they, when they are presented with, um, you know, with, I suppose, a magazine or a website or whatever it might be. They'll, you know, it could be something as simple as there's a, you know, the color red in the adverts and they're weirdly attracted to that somehow. It's not like you, right, Red? <laughs> <laughs> but tell us about your brokers, the process that they yeah. go through, right, and what well, they actually do to like help. Because I do see it as a service. I do see it as a as a service both for the franchisor and the and the prospective franchisee. And you know, there's probably more. I, I'm not sure. Masters of business and all. Maybe there's more uh, Z prospects listening than Zor prospects. But let's hit it from both angles. When you buy a house, certainly in this Western Hemisphere, nobody buys a house without a realtor. And who benefits from a realtor? Everyone. The seller would have a nightmare trying to sell a house without a realtor. And the buyer would never even consider buying a house without a realtor. And so why a, why a realtor when you're selling a house? Well, it's free. <laughs> you don't pay a thing until somebody closes. And then you pay them a success fee. And when you're buying, it's free. You don't pay them anything ever. At least that's how it works over there, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's And the same thing with buying a franchise. It's an even bigger decision. It's not just money. It's your life decision, mm -hmm. uh, what you're going to do for the next 10 or 20 plus years. And so why in the world would you not work with a, a, a certified expert? So same, the same thing here is uh, you might call them broker, consultant, coach, mentor, 
advisor. Uh, matchmaker is a popular term. They help people find their ideal franchise. And so from the franchisee perspective, it's a no-brainer. I get approached all the time and I'm not even a broker myself uh, and I, I refer them to others. So when probably a third of adults in the world would be interested in owning a franchise if they just had a, but it's, it's so intimidating. It's so overwhelming. I don't know what it is. It's scary. It's, it's too big a decision to do on my own. I don't know anybody that can help me. And so we're changing that paradigm and helping the world basically discover franchising and walking them through that very high risk, scary process with someone who knows and has been through it many times, holding their hand every step of the way. It's, it's a real no brainer for the buyer. That's, that's never an issue in this hemisphere. In fact, the number one way franchises are being sold today, the number one in, in the in U.S. and Canada is brokers now. So it's the number one lead source for closed deals. Um, well, no, I, I, you know, your your analogy is really, really good about you know purchasing the house because actually, in reality, I think a franchise purchase quite often is more important than and and you know than buying a house. And and the reason the house is, on the line. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could lose your house <laughs> because because you've made the wrong wrong decision, right? And um, you know the the other the other consequences of of um, you know selecting the wrong franchise or getting into the wrong franchise or just being you know not being told that you should really not be a franchisee, you know the con the, the consequences of that are can be horrendous. I've seen you know in my in my twenty years or so in franchising, you know you you hear the stories and you see it in living color where you know people just weren't suited to a franchise and. You know the stress and the, the angst that that caused them, not only for the franchisor but for the franchisee, it, it like spilled over onto into family life, right? So it's it's like having a terrible bo uh, job. You yeah. you come home with your your anger and your everything, and family split up, and like all kinds of horrible things happen. Yeah, so selecting the right franchise is crucial. You hear the analogy all the time in franchising. It's 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 overused, but it's a marriage: the franchisee, the franchisor, the marriage. Yeah. Um, I, I, I keep mentioning, uh, you know, Canada and the U.S. because so many deals are done here. But, you know, as you can see in our name, International Franchise Professionals Group. And so we are expanding aggressively across Europe, South America. We have consultants there now, but it's just such a minuscule number compared to over here. We're looking to add a whole lot more. We've already got a couple hundred franchisors that want to go to Europe. So that's not a problem. You know, I, uh, your buddy... Um, Simon Wise was asking me, he's like, Red, uh, who, you know, I need to see some franchisors in the UK that want to, that, that want to use consultants. And I said, well, yeah. bro, I, I can't go through 450 and figure out which one is based where, but I can tell you, I got a couple hundred right here in the US and Canada that want to go there. And, yeah. and, and so, yeah, we just need think, more consultants. I mean, I think, I think the big challenge in the UK is um, franchise leads are hard enough for franchisors to try and come by. And we obviously don't have loads of consultants here at the moment. The idea that um, consultants are also trying to hunt down the leads at the start of the process as well. Um, I suppose this is two questions, really. How, how do your consultants generate the inquiries? Or is it a case that actually someone looking to buy a franchise is so aware of how consultants work, they turn to consultants before searching out franchise opportunities? How, how does that process work? You know, that's a great question, Adam. I've not been asked that before. And it's a really intuitive question. The, the, the former, much more than the latter. So not many folks in the U.S., despite the fact that we are the number one uh, provider of closed deals, 
not many people have any clue that we exist. So it is much more like the form the former, which is they're out there. Every way a, a franchisor gets a lead is the same way a franchise consultant or broker gets a lead. We're buying them. There are numerous lead sources where you can buy an interested party wants to learn more about buying a franchise. There are every matter of social media and pay-per-click and LinkedIn targeting and uh, getting out in the community old school and uh, doing networking and speaking at career transition workshops and even partnering up with the companies that are hired by the bigger firms when they lay off their executives, they'll provide them a lot of services. And one of those services could be, hey, let's teach you more about franchising. Maybe there's an alternative career here. So any way that Azor gets them, it's the same as a consultant. And you could look at it, uh, it it's extremely uncommon, but you could look at it as consultants are competing with Zors. They absolutely are. But Zors, man, I know a Zor that loves FranDev uh, spending tens of thousands of, uh, of pounds to find one real uh, franchise to award. And so... Franchisors just breathe a sigh of relief and go, yeah, take it. Find me great buyers. I'll give you a personal example. I was a franchisor for nearly 16 years, worked with a number of firms. I was the global chief development officer for Action Coach, the uh, Western Hemisphere uh, development officer for ERA, two very prevalent franchises in the UK. So I've done it globally and I've done a whole lot here. In 2017, just a few short years ago, in 12 months, I spent 60,000 US dollars and acquired 1,200 leads through portals, through websites, you know, franchise direct type websites. I had three or four of them here in the US, very popular ones, $50 a lead on average. I spent $1,200 and I got one freaking deal, one out of 1,200 leads. And I'm embarrassed, I, I feel like I'm a pretty decent sales guy in franchise world, at least back then when that's what I did. But 1,200 is, you know, you should be fired 10 times over, you can do one deal out of 1,200. It was just a testimony to the absolute, is bollocks a bad word? The absolute garbage <laughs> that, <laughs> that the portals were delivering. And I'm even more mad about all the time I spent chasing 1,200 leads. <laughs> oh, 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 down another rabbit hole, is pet battle still around? Pet Butler, absolutely. They're killing it. Yeah, I sold it 10 years ago, and then it was sold again three or four years ago. And they've uh, they've actually expanded now to all all uh, pet services. So it's it's really wow. a different model than I created. Oh, really? Yeah, because I I, I've, I've been thinking about it, like starting one over here just on your original model. And nobody believes me that it could work. I was like, well, I know a man who's proven you wrong. When you launched that, Red, was there anything else like it? Or was that... No. No, really? I mean, there, there was a, you know, little mom and pops here and there around the country. It wasn't, I wasn't the first one on the planet earth to ever think pay me to scoop dog poop, but nobody was doing any kind of volume. I built it up to uh, you know, a million plus a year in Dallas alone and then sold 148 franchises across 28 States in three million dollars, million dollars, a hundred thousand a month. Yeah. You, you see, like, if there was a hall of fame, for franchising, Red Boswell would have to be. <laughs> that, that is that is cool. What, uh, was, what was the what was the model with customers? <laughs> did customers did co customers pay like a subscription or is it yeah. a pay per visit a subscription? Yeah, one percent would just sign up for a one time cleaning and and we gouged them. I mean, we don't want to do a one time cleaning. The model is subscription. That's where that's where I live in the subscription world. And so if they want a one time cleaning, it's going to be. I think it was. Um, 
you know, it's been 10 years, probably a hundred dollars an hour uh, to clean up dog poop. And if they signed up for a subscription, <laughs> it was much less And you know, 10 bucks a, a visit for one dog once a week, uh, $3 for each additional dog twice a week. We pushed 25% of them to twice a week. And that was a little less per visit, but more subscription overall. And uh, we had every other week and we did apartments, uh, uh, you know, communities occasionally, but 95, 95% of the revenue was consumer. 5% of the revenue was commercial and 99% of the clients were, you know, consumer. So I've got to tell you, model. you know, there's, there's people out there, you know, like the 0800 got junk guys and, you know, all these people, whatever, you know, that have done really well. But I've got to say that that story of Pet Butler has got to be the most inspiring story I've <laughs> ever heard in franchising because you know what it does, Red, and, and like, you know, jokes aside, taking away, you know, the whole, you know, I made turned over a million dollars scooping poop, right? Take that out of the thing. What it does is it opens up the world of possibilities for franchising in general, right? Because right. that one one franchise broke all preconceived notions of what a franchise could be or what could be franchised. Because yeah. I would have never, ever thought of it. And I just, the more I think about it now. Well, you it, find it, a need and you meet it. You ask him when people think it's a crazy idea for rich, lazy people, which is what they all thought for the longest time. You ask them, do you like scooping dog poop? Well, no. Go in your back. Do you have dogs? Yes. Who does it in your backyard? Uh, nobody. You paid how much, how many, you know, gazillion dollars did you pay for your backyard? And you don't even go in it because there's so much poop. It's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, what 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 got you to think of it? Like what what was the moment that you said I'm going to I'm going to make lots of money picking up poo? Um, like, you know what what was oh my god? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I mean I, I started oh uh, so this is a little bit related to uh, our uh, colonial days. Uh, ben Franklin wrote an autobiography. Do you know who Ben Franklin is? Yeah. Okay, you better. Uh, ben Franklin, one of the founders of the U.S., wrote he's a. English, auto- right? He's English, uh, I'm sure he's English. All the good ones are. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, he wrote his autobiography, and in it, he talks about the Junta, uh, a group of like minded uh, men who gathered yeah, yeah. to discuss religion, politics, and women. The right? mastermind. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the original mastermind. He called it a Junto. Yeah. Uh, and I read that, and I started a Junta back in 1995. And, uh, awesome. Uh, Three years later, I'm having a beer with my Junta guys, and they said, Red, you hate your job. You've started two other companies in the last six months, and you want to start more. Uh, you love marketing. You want subscription models. You need to go scoop dog poop because I told them about <laughs> the idea, and we all laughed about it, and they challenged me. And so I said, heck, yeah, I know marketing. I can do it. Let's do it. And it was a joke. I didn't start it on you know, but once I got going, I got mad because nobody signed up. I was spending, I had hardly any money. I was credit debit, you know, I was up to here in debt and I thought I'm going to market. I'll make some money. I'll show my friends I can do anything. And nobody signed up. Nobody even called. I was super mad. And I said, screw this. I am going to make some money scooping dog poop if it kills me. And, uh, and so I just set about it. I didn't take a vacation for 10 years. You see, I, I, I feel like there's a story behind the story. I think they were all drunk and two of his mates who are really super rich were like, ha, 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 Red, bet you can't do this. And Red was like, what? You just watch me, my friend. <laughs> and then you did it, mate. You did it. And geez, I'm, I'm very grateful that you did do it because you're here now. 
And without that journey, you wouldn't be who you are right now. You know, and that's important. Hey, I what still love it. I, I, I still absolutely love the story of Pet Butler. I mean, you know, if you can, if you can look at a pile of poo and think there's a franchise in that there poo, you know, <laughs> what what more can can be said? You know, it's brilliant, brilliant guy, brilliant guy. It, it's it's an incredible, yeah, it's an incredible story. I remember you telling me about it way before I ever um, spoke to Red. And just, yeah. I mean, surely someone has to launch it over here. <laughs> well, there are there are actually companies that are that are doing it, um, oh. you know. But the I think the the big difference, as with anything, right, is sometimes sometimes when you have a sideline or a sideline product within your portfolio, you don't really fully un understand that that sideline is three to four times bigger than your than your main business itself. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of franchisors, I've seen a lot of franchisors actually, where where they've got these genius genius little sideline ideas. Um, and they, 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 you know, for whatever reason, they, they don't put focus on that. So I have, I have actually seen a few franchises that do, do the sort of picking up the dog poo, but it's not their focus, right? And therefore, it'll never ever get to, you know, a million pounds. But you know, way back when, when we, you know, in, in a previous franchise, we we had, you know, we talked about window cleaning. I think we just had a had a chap join us who's, who started a window cleaning franchise. Um, you know, and just the pilot's operation that of that window cleaning franchise was turning over a million pounds a year. You know, so you know, you look at you look at these tiny little industries that nobody would ever think could could make decent money. Um, you know, and actually, actually, sometimes they're the easiest ones to get to to the million back mark. That's where the franchising model just comes into its own, isn't it? That's the. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, the, the other the other cool thing we chat and we've read is just talking about the broker model in the US. Yeah. Uh, I know we've had loads of discussions about it, and I've always firmly believed that it will come to the UK. I don't know when. It feels like it. There's a few hurdles to jump for it to really become a, a mainstream way of recruiting franchisees in the UK. But yeah. it, it does feel like it will happen. Um, do you think it's any kind of nearer to happening? Like, do, yeah, do you I think it's much. Um, it's much closer. Um, so you know, we know we know as uh, in the interview over there, people like Simon Wise are looking into it. Um, I know that there's a number of other companies that are all now really sort of considering the, the the sort of broker model. But again, you know, the problem is that the the broker model, how how companies like IFPG and uh, you know various other sort of brokerages in 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 the states, how they did it is they made it a massive focus. They chucked money into it. They really, really, really hammered it. Um, and you know how how the brokerage model I think works best is when it does have lots and lots of people um, sort of signed up to it. So you do need to have a lot of brokers and those brokers, their primary function in their life needs to be networking, um, you know, nothing else. There's, you know, they don't really need to do very much else than, other than, than networking. Um, but um, I think the, th the only thing holding this back, um, and it's similar to a lot of things we've seen over the, over the last couple of years or whatever, the only thing stopping the brokerage model from really sort of making a massive impact in the UK, I think, is that nobody's really going, you know, what's that phrase, balls to the wall with it, you know, just completely, utterly pushing it and promoting it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in the, in the, in the, um, the concept, as you know, uh, just purely because I think it safeguards both the franchisor and the franchisee, you know, franchisees, especially, you know, we're talking about the January, the January spike. Um, and again, you know, it's 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 a it's a dangerous thing. It's a good thing, and it's also a dangerous thing because people who are just very fed up, 
you know, when, when it comes to franchise recruitment, you get guys who, who go towards franchising because it's a logical choice and it's, you know, it's all of those things that, they, that they're looking for in their lives, so they plan for it. And then you get people who just simply hate their boss, right, or their life. And all they're trying to do is get away from that. And they they don't want to do it by themselves, but equally they want, you know, they they you know they don't want to be alone. Um, and sometimes those guys are quite quite dangerous. So what the broker what the broker does is it stops those people who are making knee-jerk reactions from choosing a franchise that's fundamentally wrong for them. You know, so you might have like a you know a guy from from the city, and I've seen this many times, you know, who who goes and buys a lawn cutting franchise because he literally just does not want to make a decision in his life anymore. He's done lots of decisions in his life, big decisions, and now he just wants he wants peace and quiet. But the problem is that that only lasts for about a year and a half because that person who was so highly successful in the in this other life, it'll always come back to them, right? And they'll want more and they'll want more. So what the broker does is it helps that person think everything through and make sure that they're making the right decisions. And that's how they protect franchisors from getting a franchisee who's going to constantly be questioning their, their methods, how they do things, because that those words, when I was in business, you know, will come up every five seconds. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it, it, obviously the broker market is in the UK. There are brokers and lots mm. of brokers do it, but it's just... When you compare it to what Red and the guys in the States were just nowhere near that at this point in time. No, I suppose they've also got the advantage, like as you were saying, you know, with a with a realtor model over there, because, you know, every house that's sold has got two two brokers. You know, it's completely bizarre to me. You can't just go, you know, uh, well, in the UK, you walk into an estate agent and there's the selection of houses and those, those are the ones you get to choose from. In the States, if you sign up as a broker, you have access to every single house that's being sold in America. Right, and you can you can broker that deal, no, no matter where you are, you know. So they've already got that kind of culture culture sort of embedded in them. So it's an easier leap. Um, but I do think I do think just you know I know I know some very decent companies that are going to launch their brokerage models fairly soon, um, and I think that just over time it'll it'll you know, I think franchisors will even encourage people to go through a broker. No, I, I think so. I've always thought it would happen. It'd be interesting to see if the pandemic speeds it up as well. So, yeah. um, thank you to, for Red. It was a great interview. Always good to speak yeah. to him. You can listen to the full interview of Red um, on the podcast on Spotify or on YouTube. Um, and you can find all the details on the mobshow.tv website as well. So now um, on to our next segment, the, the bit everyone waits for. Um, who knows who, uh, who this could implica implicate this time. But uh, over to the press. News. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to the Franchise News with Laura Budd. This is the Franchise News, I'm Laura Budd. Here's today's headlines today. Razzmatazz confirms exciting partnership for the new year and Revive helps technician become his own boss. But first, as this is the first episode of The Mob Show of 2021, we thought we'd turn back in retrospect and look at the freedoms we've lost over the past year because of Covid. COVID-19.
why you'd want to do some of these things but it's just depressing to know that you can't. Razzmatazz will join forces with Matt Fids to offer current franchisees workshops on how to become financially independent as well as identified as a regional developer franchisee. Razzmatazz has already announced its vision and changes for 2021 giving it more time to educate and create while Fids will play a significant role in guiding the brand through the new changes. Paul Morris goes into business with former customer and now partner Leanne Doubly. When he saw Leanne, Paul admits it was love at first sight. Now the couple have two sons and are planning a wedding in summer 2022. They've also gone into business together, becoming the new owners of Revive Birmingham North, following its resale. Paul looks after the business day to day, while Leanne, who has a background in financial services, manages finances and marketing. That's all the news for today. Cheers. Oh, I can't hear you, Sean. Can you hear me? Sorry. You forgot to unmute me. <laughs> I was just saying, I don't really remember people sneezing in my face back in the day. Do you? No, not really. But it was a long time ago. Maybe it happened more than we, uh, we knew. Uh, <laughs> although, you know, there's, there's a lot of things over there. If you think about all the all the things that people hated, you know, the commute, traffic jams, all of that kind of stuff is all all gone, and you know I don't even know if the new normal is a phrase anymore. Is it? It's just it's just what happens now, and I, I think this is going to be this is just going to be life now, which is I think um, a massive bonus for franchising in the coming years because I think people don't want to go back to commuting, they don't want to go back to traffic jams and packed trains and all those different kind of things, and I think. I think that will drive the interest in people looking to start their own business and to work from home and et cetera, et cetera, as much yeah. as job losses and redundancies. And I think um, big focus for franchisors to gear their marketing around the fact that actually a lot of the pain points people are going to move away from to enter franchising will be around wanting to work from home, want to be closer to the family and all those kind of things. So, Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see when, when we're going when gonna to see the first sort of home office conversion franchise pitching, uh, pitching up um, because I, I genuinely think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to very, very soon become sort of par for the course that when you see those job ads going, going up, um, that'll say, oh, and you get a X amount, you know, bonus for, for home office conversions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah, and, and a huge growth in the um, uh, shared network, uh, shared working space franchises, which I know there's a few have come over from the States recently. I mean, um, that's going to be a mass. Once, once things get back to normal, I think shared working spaces and all those different kind of things as well are going to be huge, aren't they? 
yeah, just to get out. I wonder how um, uh, the the walks franchise is going to do with their with their networking and walking. You know, I think that's going to pick up big time too, <laughs> because yeah. you know, in reality, that's actually that could actually be the you know one of the one of the great sort of successes of of the of the lockdown. You know, people actually doing. I don't know if you remember the old old American movies from the seventies or whatever, where the guy's on his treadmill with his headsets on doing deals. You know, <laughs> it seems like we're probably going to go back to that. Quite possibly, but yeah, I think Walking and Walks, the guys at Walks, which is a great franchise, which yeah. um, launched last year in the UK. Um, I think there's lots of people that have a newfound passion for walking, isn't there? So yeah. that that's going to be a big growth, I think. Yeah, very, very much so. Fantastic. Well, before we go, uh, producer Mark's going to play a quick intro into what next week's show, uh, sorry, next Fortnite's time show has in store. So. <laughs> I think uh, you know one of the things which happens in a couple is obviously you're both putting a lot of investment into it, um, so there has to be a second income stream, especially if, um, like us, we were in our twenties when we were investing, we didn't have loads of savings. So great interview with Kevin and Popat. Yeah, fantastic interview. I mean, they for anyone that doesn't know, they were the BFA franchisees of the year last year. I think um, amazing. Uh, pair of franchisees with the right home network. So it's really interesting talking about couples in franchising, which again, I think now couples are working from home together and uh, and find it bearable enough, then I think that could be a big rising area of franchising post pandemic. Yeah. No, for sure. And they was they were so inspiring. What a what a great story. Uh, great people, very humble, you know, still talking fondly about their old offices, you know, where it all began and everything. It was a great interview, really good chat. Yeah. So thank you everyone for tuning in today. Uh, that's the end of the Mob Show for today. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks time. Yeah. Do we have networking on today? It is. Yeah. Oh. In 13 minutes time for anyone who uh, is watching and fancies a chat. Join us. I'm going to get caffeine and, and medicine and then I'll be there. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Bye.